In today's show, we look at Tuesday's five games, talk about waiver wire trends, and I've got a question to ask you guys. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball, on TikTok at redrock underscore bball, on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball and Substack, joshloyd48.substack.com. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So let's talk about what we need to talk about. Injury updates on Brandon Ingram. Jimmy Butler. What am I telling you now? I'll just tell you in a second. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> so yeah, Jimmy Butler's out tomorrow. They are preserving him on the first game of a back-to-back as his knee problem continues to be an issue. I wonder how long they will sit him on back-to-backs. It feels like a while, but we don't know that. Of course, the Heat have a three- and four-game night stretch here. Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday they play. So Kayla Martin and Max Struess, their value maintains there. Gabe Vincent remains out, but there is value in those other players. Uh, Gary Harris and Jalen Suggs. Remain out in Orlando, as does Wendell, no timetable Carter, which is a frustrating scenario. Absolutely. We don't we just don't know when these guys are going to be back. And it's you know, it makes it really hard to understand what to do because the Magic are top three in shittest injury reporting. They might have overtaken Memphis, to be honest, um, and right up there with uh, Charlotte in terms of bad injury reporting. What a, what a shock that those two terrible teams also give terrible injury reports. Um some other injury news, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is out tomorrow, so that really does preserve some of that value from the Bronco, Jalen Williams, and maybe, maybe deeper leagues. You look at Eugene Omari, you've got to be pretty desperate, but he might be available for you. And Brandon Ingram's out at least one more week. He had a setback in his recovery. You don't hear that often, and that's never a good sign. What that means, we'll talk about that more in the Pelicans game today, is that guys like uh, Dyson Daniels, Jose Alvarado, Najee Marshall, Trey Murphy, they all get um, a little bit of a sustained boost in their value. But we'll talk about what it looked like today with Herb Jones back later in the show. Just not great news there for Ingram. I assumed that John Wall would sit Wednesday and Kawhi would sit Thursday, but they're both actually going to play on Wednesday, meaning you're going to have bigger opportunities on a good streaming day on Thursday with Wall and Kawhi likely out. So big boosts for Batum and Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann. All those guys with Norman Powell, of course, are going to get a boost in value on Thursday. So both Wall and Kawhi Leonard are playing on Wednesday. And the assumption is that they will both sit on Thursday. So a little bit of a change in the plan there. The NBA announced new awards. I talked about it on, I think, the live show today. Um, New names for their awards. I don't actually care that much about most of this stuff. Yes, you could have argued the names and why didn't Bill Russell get this award or why didn't Akimbe Matombo get Defensive Player of the Year and why didn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar get the or whatever. I don't think it matters that much. It's very hard to argue against Michael Jordan being named MVP. Let's Let's be fair. And I think it's I think it's fine to name these awards after players. I, I don't really love the introduction of the new Clutch Player of the Year award because I don't know what it means. I don't know what they think it's going to mean. I don't know what they're communicating to people when they're voting for that award. Is it just going to be who makes the most high, which good player makes the makes the most highlight buzzer beaters? Is that what it's going to be? Irrespective of how many you miss or how bad you are in the five minutes leading up to that that big shot. I don't know. I just don't know what the point of that award is. But in the end, this stuff changed. 
the awards. You might not look like the design of the trophies. You will get used to them. They will look better and better as time goes on, I am sure. Shout out to all the people who love the Pistons teal horse uniform now. Not a single person really liked that when it was out, but everyone loves it now. Things change, you get used to them, nostalgia, all that sort of stuff kicks in. It's going to take a little bit of time to get used to these awards, but it's something they did, and I don't have a problem with it at all. I just My major issue is what is clutch player of the year mean, and how are we going to adjudicate it, and what direction the vote is going to go with that one, because that could lead to some, I don't know if the right thing is, frustration. This is something I'm going to try and do each day now, and I'll call it the question of the day. I'm going to ask the question now, and then... At the end, I'll give you my answer. But I want you to give me your answer to this. If you're watching on YouTube, drop it in the comments. You can drop it in the chat, but it's better in the comments because it actually helps this show get out to more people. Drop it in the comments. So the question for today is, what is your all-rookie first team so far? Remember, an all-rookie first team does not have positional requirements. So who are your best five rookies? Really, you can use whatever criteria you want. I'm just doing it based on real life or rookie team, not fantasy or rookie team. I'm doing real life or rookie team. I'll give you my five at the end of the show, but I want to see what your five are. Drop them in the comments below or tweet them at me um, replying to one of my posts promoting this show. That would be great. Do that and we'll see if we can get something going with that with a little bit of a question each day, but more formalized. After yesterday, I asked you, know, Zion or Jar is the number one pick if you had to redo it. I'll do a little bit more formalized here. All right, wave wise. I don't know why I hit that transition. Didn't mean to. The most added player over the last 24 hours is Tory Craig, up 23%. Some of that is streaming for today. He is really unexciting, but he is solid enough to be a back-end 12-team league guy. And I think with injuries piling up in Phoenix, you probably do want to have him. John Kaminga up 17%. Like the minutes are okay today. The on-court production wasn't quite there, but his on-court play was okay. And they play again tomorrow, and we assume that Wiggins and Kaminga, sorry, Wiggins and Clay will both be out of that game. And that, of course, does give him a boost there. So there's some stream value in Kaminga for tomorrow. Najee Marshall up 14%. Curious to see him rise that much in a game where Herb Jones returns. I don't think that Marshall's going to be able to maintain long-term value. And we already saw today that things aren't going particularly as well as what they had previously with Jones back. So I think that's probably a regrettable move. Kavon Looney up 13%. That's a back-to-back and low-volume stream. The Marshall one, I actually don't mind that much because it is streaming on a low-volume day, but we sort of knew that the production wouldn't be there. Geordie Goodwin up 12%. Well, we'll get a real opportunity to see what's up tomorrow because Beal, Morris, and Porzingis are all questionable. And if they all play, where does Goodwin sit? We love what he's done the last three games, and it might do nothing again moving forward. He might play 20 minutes. I don't mind the out of him, but it might come to nothing. I talked yesterday about why are people still rostering DeAndre Hunter. So in order to spite me, his roster percentage has gone up 9%. Why? You couldn't torture the information out of me. You couldn't... If you waterboarded me, I wouldn't be able to tell you that I rostered DeAndre Hunter. I wouldn't admit to it. Why has it gone up 9%? Why? Because last game, everyone was out and he scored 16 points with one rebound. Whoa. what's, What's happening here? Yes, I know Collins and Murray are still out, but Capella's back. Trey might be back. Bogdanovich is back. Wild. Larry Nance up 9%. Yep, should be rostered. Um, and Karis LeVert up 7%. He played really well last time with old mates, uh, David, oh, not David Mitchell, Jesus, Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. We'll see how that goes. I don't think I would have added him, but we'll see how it goes. And then we'll look at the most dropped players. Number one, Obviously, is Cade Cunningham down 19%. Jalen Noel down 13%, which is intriguing because Jordan McLaughlin is out and D'Angelo Russell is questionable tomorrow. So 
Noel's value might rise. Probably wouldn't have dropped him. AJ Green, well, actually not true. They was probably dropped before the news of Russell came out. So I, I get it. But he might be worth the stream tomorrow. AJ Griffin down 12%. Yeah, no problem. Monte Morris down 12%. If Beal's out, he's got value, but they might both might return together. So I get that. Seth Curry and Joe Harris down 10 and 8% respectively. They're not 12-team league guys. Markel Fultz down 10. Yeah, look, I'm sort of with that. I don't really know how to judge the value and the upside's not that high. And Mo Wagner down 8% with Bumba playing better than him last game. I feel like it's going to be much like the point guards where it's going to frustrate the shit out of us and we're going to have big games back and forward and minutes changing left, right and center, making it really hard to have any of those guys stick on your 12-team roster. Today's episode is brought to you by Turo. Turo, they are all about cars. That's not their slogan, but I made it up because they are the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classical luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Or find that affordable car if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. You can also test drive that electric vehicle that you've been eyeing to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver that car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. That'll bring us into the games, I think. First one, Kings Sixers. A smash, a smashing. I don't know why I call it a smash. That's not the right word. The word is a smashing. They killed him, the Sixers. The final score here was 123-103. We had a couple of theories we wanted to test with De'Aaron Fox back. Keegan Murray's production went up when Fox was out. Malik Monk's production went down when Fox was out. And guess what happened? Fox returned. Malik Monk had 16-3-4 and and played 24 minutes. Production up. Keegan Murray had three points in 21 minutes on 20% shooting. Production down. Talked about in one of the shows earlier today that my issue with Keegan translating from college is going from a number one offensive option to a four or five offensive option. And with Fox out, he moved up to two or three and it suited him. And Fox was back and he moved back down and he was bad again. So it's not a definitive pattern. It's not always going to happen this way. But the data so far is telling us when he plays with Fox, he gets a little bit lost, doesn't sort of know his rhythm and loses minutes because this team wants to win. They do not gift minutes because they want, they want the playoffs so badly. So if he's struggling, he's not going to get minutes, unlike certain players on certain bad teams. He's not going to be gifted those minutes because they're trying to win. They'll change it up. What does that mean we want to do with Murray? I still think he's a fringe 12-team league guy. If you've got him, you want to hold through it. But I don't see him brushing and brushing, bursting through the top 100 at any point as a prolonged top 100 guy until we maybe hit February or March. I know he's been that over the last couple of weeks, but I don't think it's a sustainable thing. Um... They were just bad, though. And speaking of bad... Oh, the buy low is wide open. It's massive. 13, 4-1. 33% for Darren Fox. 50 from the line. 14% from three. I know I said he was never going to maintain his shooting numbers. But this is also horrific. Like, that hot start has basically been a race now. He's the 35th ranked player. He's going to continue to tumble if he keeps going like this. I think he's a 40 to 55 ranked player, which is basically bang on where he was drafted. In points lease, he's a little bit better, but we're seeing a gigantic drop off. And if you can get him for someone outside the top 60, that's how you do it in a trade. The pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. 11 and 8 in 31 minutes on 33%. Like 
just the most mid game you can get. And that's why I like him more when we hit fantasy playoffs versus what's the point now. Sabonis so was pretty good, 22, 10, and 5. No defensive stats, but was great on the percentages. For the Sixers, Harden, 21, 7, and 15 with five steals. He's the seventh-ranked player this season. Um, pretty excited about what, what he's doing here. It's really good stuff. And Embiid had 31 and 7. But what I, again, I was very down on this man, but he's been great. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Now, I was down on him not because I hate the man, not because I hate the player, not because I hate any of that. It was all circumstantial. Like, he, as a fourth offensive option who doesn't bring defensive stats... Um, how's he going to be the 50th best player? Well, he's come out and said, Josh, like, suck on that. I'm the 46th ranked player so far. But my process and reasons behind me fading Harris still exist. So that's why I think he's a huge sell high. 27th over the last week, 21, 7, and 9 with a steal and a block. Maybe the steals at an elevated rate are real. But he is really kicking ass because he's had Embiid out and Harden out and Maxi out. And when Maxi comes back in a week or two, where does Harris fit? Does he go back to a 14-7-3 player? Does he go back to under a steal a game, or does he maintain these high steals? This is a bloke who's rolling at top 50 value, and everything looks wrong from how I said to fade him at the start of the season. But I still believe that my process on that could still come true second half. Because my thing was, when these guys play, he will be marginalized to a spot-up threat. And the thing is, they just haven't played. So we'll see what happens, eh? But so far, he's proved me wrong. The steals in particular, that I don't know about. Matisse Thibel started with Anthony Melton out. He had 15 points with three threes. Of course, you're always going to stream Thibel in for defensive stats, and he racked up zero of those. But, you know, you get the added benefit of 15 points and three threes, which is, you know, unexpected. We always know Georgie Niang is a good three-point streamer. Another four triples for him, while Milton had 14 points in 33 minutes. I don't think that DeAnthony Melton's uh, injury is a long-term thing. Probably doesn't even cost him another game, to be honest. I wouldn't rush to grab Shake, despite a solid game, but more importantly, solid minutes in that one. The second game, another blowout. The Bucks beat the Warriors 128-111. Steph, only 27 minutes. Had a quick trip to the locker room. I think it was probably just to take a piss. 20-6 and six with three threes, but only one assist and shot 35% from the field. He is now down to the sixth-ranked player uh, over the course of the season. He's 18th over the last week. He's having some real efficiency issues. And we talked about how he was flying as the number two guy on career best rebounding numbers, career best rim finishing numbers, and career best um, uh, field goal percentage as well as playing 37 minutes a night. And it all screamed, there's no way this is happening. It's no way it's continuing. I didn't think you, know, you could have sold high, but you weren't going to be able to do it. And we're just like, what he's doing now, he's going to be better than, but he's sort of settling back in after that ridiculously hot start. I was impressed. With the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo, 16 and 7 with four threes and two steals. And with Clay and Wiggins likely out tomorrow, he's a great stream for that. And Kaminga, 27 minutes, 19 points, three threes. Got a little bit of work done in garbage time to put the numbers up, but they all still count. And there's going to be a lot of minutes available for him tomorrow. Good stream option there. Clay, who'd been playing well, did not. 14, 1 and 2 on 38%. Draymond had just two points, but seven assists, while Poole had 18 points on 17 shots. So really, a lot of the Warriors guys struggled. There was a lot of garbage time. We had eight minutes of Patrick Baldwin in this game. Looney played 19 minutes only, and you had Anthony Lamb have eight points with two steals in 26 minutes. I don't think we need to do much there with Lamb outside of maybe a stream for tomorrow. For the um, Bucks, Middleton returned. 20 points, three threes, 29 minutes. I had him on the buy low show. Don't know if you can still do it after that. That's getting back to normal. But Bobby Portis was able to maintain value because Drew Holiday was out. So they went bigger a lot. 
25 and 11 for Punch Bob in 32 minutes. Massive sell high. Massive. Absolutely huge. Brooke Lopez is really starting to cool off. Seven points. He still blocked two shots, but took five shots only. 60% shooting, but seven and seven with two blocks. He may end up, after being like a top 30 guy for such a long period of time, he might end up being like a top 90 guy who's a block specialist. That, that might happen. Just be aware of that. Giannis somehow brutalized both your percentages. He had 30 and 12 with five assists, a three, a steal, and a block. It's a great line. And then you go, oh, he shot 35% from the field and 65% from the line on 17 attempts. That is brutal. Now, we knew the free throws. We knew that. But he's had multiple games this season where he's just defecated on your field goals. And I don't know where the hell that's coming from. It's definitely not something that you plan for when you draft Giannis into the Kumpo. I think Grace Allen's got some nice 12-team appeal. Back end, but okay. 16 points with two threes and four assists. He was perfect six of six. While Javon Carter started in place of Drew and had four and four. The three steals are nice, but I don't imagine Drew's illness is going to keep him out long-term, so I don't think you need to hold on to Javon Carter. Um, today's episode is also brought to you by betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all of the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football to college football, bowl season, college basketball, basketball, the World Cup final coming up. We've got it all at betonline.net. If I head, a look, uh, head over and have a look at NFL odds for this week, the Cowboys are four and a half point favorites only against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Does that seem too low? It seems probably a little bit too low to me, but what do I know? But you can check all of those odds out over at BetOnline. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Next game was also a blowout. The Rockets, who have now won five straight games at home, beat the Phoenix Suns, who have now lost five straight games. Hmm... 111 Houston, 97 Phoenix. Devin Booker is out, and they do not know what to do. They're just shit house without him. He's he's bad. They're bad. They also lost DeAndre Ayton to a sprained ankle again. And before that, Ayton was 2 of 10 for 5 points and 3 rebounds. Terrible. This is the second or third time he's sprained that same left ankle, Ayton. I would have to expect the rest of his week is done, and he probably misses 7 to 10 days minimum, is a guess. That's my guess. Bismack Biombo started the second half. He had seven and six with three blocks. Two of those blocks were blocking dunk attempts by KJ Martin. He is not a great option as an all-round player. But if you're looking for some rebounds with some great blocks, this is a good option for you. Deeper leagues will look at Jock Landale, who had seven points in 12, but Biombo is the priority to me. Chris Paul was better. And, and by better, I mean he's only shot 29%, but... 16, 6, and 7, two steals and a block and played 38 minutes in a hashtag revenge game. Well, Mikhail Bridges, speaking of revenge, I don't know what I'm speaking about revenge for because he was dreadful. And 18 points looks all right. Isn't it? It's okay. Two threes, two steals, three assists. Well, what, are we, what are we complaining about? Well, he shot 17% from the field on 24 attempts. It was 8 of 8 from the line. Um... 20% from three, 14% from two. This is a bloke who has consistently been like a 63% two-point shooter. He is well down on that this season. He's making a little bit of extra value on these games with Booker's out through usage, and his assist rate is up this season. I am worried that if the efficiency doesn't come back for Bridges, that he will see a big tumble in his rankings. He's already 170th over the last week, but the usage and assists have been propped up by absences to Booker and Paul. And if they're playing together, and he still can't get back to that absolute elite efficiency, he drops off quite a bit, Bridges. So it is something to watch. Landry Shamet started in Booker's place, 13-4-3 three with three threes. The two steals are nice. 
And if Booker and Aiton remain out, then Shamit's three-point shooting, it can be at least stream-worthy if you're looking for that category. While Josh Okogie only played 20 minutes. He had a massive defensive play into a big dunk moment, big block, and then a huge dunk. 10 and 6, one steal, two blocks. That's very well-rounded. I like him as a 16-team short-term stream. Campaign got hurt as well, didn't return with a foot injury. So that further boosts the value of Okogie and Shamit. And Damo Lee didn't do much. He'd been shooting really well and then was horrific. Five points on 22%. They don't really have another point guard, especially with Dwayne Washington out. So, yeah, Paul's going to have to play a lot. But they're going to have to run like weird lineups where Bridges is the point guard or Lee is running it or bloody Akogi or Shamit are running it, which is going to give those fringe players at least some stream appeal. But, you know, picking out when it's going to happen, it's really tough. For the Rockets... Haven't hit this for a while. The delicate dancer, El Shingun. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Now, it continues to be frustrating that they're running a three-center rotation, but he had 10 and 16 with a block in 29 minutes. That's okay. Well, the upside's capped by the coaching, and shout-out to Stephen Silas, who is back today from the passing of his father, and it's a good win for them, and they're playing a lot better, especially defensively. Jalen Green, 26-7-4. and four. Rough from the field, but brilliant from the line, while uh, Jabari Smith really starting to come into his own. 14 and 8 in 29 minutes, three threes, one block, only took five shots. He's now top 70 over the last week. He's inside the top 150 for the season. He's starting to come. That's what she said. I need to hit the sound. Yeah, let's do it. Sometimes that patience pays off early on. Tari preseason, 19 minutes, which is annoying, but 10 and 7, one steal, two blocks. Every time, basically, he's on the court. Something happens. He makes something happen. And that's why it's so frustrating to watch and go, oh, he's really good. And then plays 18 minutes. That's why it's frustrating. It's not, oh my God, he's actually terrible, but my fantasy team would love it. It's like, man, this guy's actually good. Can you play him? He's like really good. And that's what continues to frustrate. Like KJ Martin, not sure. Some big plays. I don't think he's that good actually as a long-term player. He had seven points. Eric Gordon only played 23 minutes here, 10 and, 10 and three with two triples. Like he's, they're just stream guys. Eason's the guy. And he remains a luxury stash. You're in eighth spot in your league, though. It might be tough to do. But then a game like this in only 19 minutes, that's a 12-team line. 10 and 7 with a steal and two blocks. And he does that relatively often. It's just not consistently often enough to be a guaranteed guy producing 12 teams all the time. Because he's not. He's a luxury stash guy, which is, which is unfortunate. But it is the way of the Houston Rockets, which yeah, they won. But it's annoying nonetheless. And in a day of blowouts, there was another blowout. The Jazz smashed the Pelicans, 121-100. Someone on the live show said, hey, why are the Pelicans only one and a half point favorites here? I said, yeah, I agree. It looks a little bit too low, but I guess they're factoring in the travel and the altitude. And of course, (laughs) that was completely wrong. 121 Utah, 100 to the Pelicans. Zion got into some foul trouble. Didn't stop him having 26, 9, and 5, and 2 steals with 63% shooting before um, the game got into uh, blowout type status. He was only 6 of 10 from line. That's a big Achilles heel for him, obviously, but great numbers. Balanchunas, only 19 minutes, 15 and 6 with two steals, while Larry Nance played 23 minutes, 4, 7, and 3 with a block. Nance remains a must-roster player. I think Valanchunas is too, but back end. I had to look it up because people were talking. There was on one of the live show chat streams, people were talking about how Nance only plays big minutes if Valanchunas is in foul trouble or if it's a close game. And yes, Nance's minutes do go up if it's a close game. There's no doubt about that. But that made me want to look at what clutch minutes are. NBA, there's definitions on NBA.com. I actually don't know what the definition is for clutch time on NBA, but I think it's the last five minutes of the game and within a certain score, whatever. Anyway, over that 
for every clutch moment for the season for the Pelicans, Larry Nance had played like 49 clutch minutes, which was second only behind CJ McCollum on the Pelicans. And Valanciunas had played six minutes in clutch time, which was a staggering difference. So when the game's close, they just go, JV, sit down, mate. Like, nothing to do with you. We don't want anything to do with you at all. And the fourth quarter minutes were like, Nance averages eight fourth quarter minutes per game and Valanciunas averages five. So that pattern is pretty fairly well established, I'd say. Um, Dyson Daniels was the sixth man in this game. First off the bench, replacing Herb Jones. He got 26 minutes. He, he did get garbage time playing time here. Seven and five. But it is something to watch, but obviously not a 12-team league guy. While Herb Jones returned, he was going to be on a minutes limit. My worry with him is that he's not all that productive. Six points, two assists. That's it. He played 20 minutes. Now, that will go up. We've got no doubt that that will go up. But with all these other guys stepping up and playing well, is there actually a need for Jones to play 33 a night? Is he ever going to have an opportunity to be a top 100 guy? And, and I don't think he is. So I think he is droppable. I don't think he's must roster in 12-team leagues. Definitely in points leagues, I, I don't think you need to bother with him. But I also understand if that defensive ability that he has means something on your category league squad. He might be useful there, but he also might not mean a single thing to your team. And I think that's fine. It was a stinking game from Trey Murphy. Really bad. 25 minutes, zero points, missed all seven of his shots and did not grab a, re grab a rebound. He even missed a free throw. He had a steal and a block. I would still hold him. Yes, this is rough. And it's really rough in the sense as well that maybe when Ingram comes back, this string of like three or four poor games in a row will make it hard for him to maintain 27 a night. But with Ingram out for at least another week, I will hold on to Trey Murphy. McCullum struggled 14 points on 35% as he has done basically all season. He did have two steals here though. While Najee Marshall predictably fell off, I don't think you need to hold him in 12-team leagues. 30, uh, sorry, 22 minutes, 6.3 rebounds. The return of Jones was going to cut into him. It's going to continue to, and Ingram is going to further impact Najee Marshall. But a quick shout out to Kyra Lewis Jr., who made his NBA return 370 days since he tore his ACL. Well done. He looked fast. There's still a lot of guys ahead of him. Devontae Graham shouldn't be. He's really bad. But there's still uh, Dyson Daniels, of course, and CJ McCollum. I don't think Lewis is going to have much of an impact this season, but the speed is still really, really real. And this maybe it's some dynasty, deeper dynasty appeal in Lewis, but it was just good to see him back on the court, returning in what is an absolutely normal ACL timeframe. For the Jazz, Jared Vanderbilt bar, 23 minutes, 18, 14, and 6, a steal and a block, 89% shooting. It's a brilliant game. He had five fouls. That's why the minutes are down. And he has been nowhere near this all season. But that is still, that's great, right? So we just keep rolling with him as a back-end player. But even though he played that well, we still got a great game from Walker Kessler. 11 and 16 with three blocks in 23 minutes. Kessler is a must-roster player. There will be ups and downs for sure, but he's hitting 20 minutes basically every night. He's blocking shots all the time. He's got great field goal percentage. You cannot leave that on the wire. Do I prefer Kessler over Duran? Probably do, yeah. He's definitely outproducing him. I think he. I think we, do, we want him. We look at this and we go, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that's a great game. And it is. 25 minutes, 19, 3 and 6, 4 triples, 2 blocks. And you could look at this and argue, well, Sexton is out, so he's got this opportunity. That is true. But he also piled on a little bit towards the end of the game. And he shot 64%. And that is just not a real thing to happen. And in this game, we had a Linux play only 16 minutes. We had uh, under 30 minutes for Clarkson. I just don't think that we're going to rely upon Nikhil Alexander-Walker 
to play 25 a night and be a 65% shooter. I think he's fine as a short-term stream in a 14-team league. I don't think I would do it in a 12. Malik Beasley had 21 with five threes. We know what he does. This is what he does. Well, Clarkson returned for 11 points. And Alinek, just the 16 minutes, had foul trouble. Six, five, and th- three. Six, five, and three. Please, please do not drop Kelly Alinek. I know that you all find it really hard to roster him for some reason. Not all of you. 20% of people playing in leagues find it really hard to roster him. He's got to be rostered. This is a bad game. No denying that. Do not drop him for the love of God. Do not drop him. Mike Conley returned to the starting lineup, had seven points in 29 minutes. Back to Alexander Walker, though. I am intrigued by it. I, I am intrigued, but I just don't think that, you know, what is it, 24 usage, 64 shooting, the two blocks, none of that is real. And the minutes might stay at 24 with Sexton out, and that, that's rightfully so. I just don't think that you're going to get that level of shooting tied in with the reduction in minutes for Olinick and Clarkson, which does have an impact on Alexander Walker. So it might be, and probably is, probably is, a little bit fake. If you added him, I don't think it's wrong. Like I get it. I get you You like those numbers. I'm just trying to project what happens next game, and that just seems a little bit unlikely. All right, the last game. It, it was pretty dumb, really. Like it was, a, it was a stupid game, let's be honest. The Celtics were up huge. The Lakers went on like a 30-8 to eight run. And then somehow the Celtics went on a 26-8 to run to push it to overtime as the Lakers served up some of the worst overtime offense you'll ever see. In the end, Boston wins at 122-118 on the back of 44 Jason Tatum minutes. 44-9-6 with five triples, 52% and 90 from the line. That's a huge game. He had been tapering off a little bit. In fact, before today, you won't believe it, but Tatum was the 123rd ranked player in category leagues over the last week. Yeah, this is good to get a big game back. Um, JB was good. JB, you've done it again. 15 rebounds for Jalen. 25 and 15, five assists, three steals. 50 from the line's not great, but good numbers otherwise. And Marcus Smart had 18, five and six with two steals. After those guys, it was bad. Now they don't play again until Friday and Horford's going to be back in that one and Rob Williams might return. Malcolm Brogdon, we featured him on the Sell High show saying, hey, there's no way this is going to stick, right? This shooting won't stick. He had five points in 21 minutes and shot 33%. He still managed to go one of two from three. But the worry I have here is the shooting's going to fall. He was top 50 over the last week before this game. The shooting's going to fall. And Williams and Horford are going to impact his minutes. I don't think there's any real justification in my mind for making Derek White a must-hold player. Maximum Derek. He had 10-1-0 in 26 minutes. He is also going to get squeezed when the big men return. And Grant Williams played 31 minutes. I thought it was a terrible game from Grant Williams, really. Low usage. They attacked him on defense. He did hit a key, hit a key three in overtime. Nine points, three triples. There's no reason for me to think that Grant Williams or Derek White are 12-team league players. Brogdon is on the fringes, but I think it's going to go south. And it started today. Griffin had six points in 23 minutes, while Luke Cornett, he was in the closing lineup and he played overtime. Two points for him, but their roles are going to decrease. For the Lakers, LeBron played 43 minutes, had 33, 9, and 9, two steals and a block. That's obviously really good. The free throws aren't ideal. While Anthony Davis played the entire second half and, and overtime for 46 minutes, 37 and 12. His free throws were great. And then he bricked two of them with like, what, no, 10 seconds left you know, in, the, in the game or 15 seconds left to get the Celtics back into the game to force overtime. Bad misses. In the end, he was only 73% from the line, but overall good game. And Westbrook played 35 minutes. He took some questionable jumpers, but his defense was really good. He blocked four shots. He had 20 and 14 with five assists to steal and four blocks. And the 35 minutes is really intriguing after he played 21 minutes last game. The guys that I am convinced 
or were convinced will not remain 12-team league guys, they were dreadful. Dennis Schroeder played 19 minutes for two points. Yeah, let's jack him together. Get that garbage out of here! Lonnie Walker. Hello. See you later. Seven points in 23 minutes with zero assists, zero rebounds, zero blocks, one three. What's minus 18? He's a worse player than Austin Reeves. I think it's. I think that's pretty obvious. Reeves had four points in 36 minutes. He's not a great ad, but five assists, two steals, two blocks. There is at least 16 team league value there in Reeves, maybe 14. But I would not bother. Like Lonnie Walker's rostered everywhere, basically. I don't think you need to. Again, why would you? He was 142nd in points leagues before today, 135th in category leagues. Do you think it's getting better for him? Do you think he's going to be just blowing us away? I don't. Does it feel like I'm hating on Lonnie Walker? Maybe a little bit, but I'm not. Bloke's good. Just don't think he's that good. Bloke's a good bloke. Good good person, all that stuff. I just don't think he's got a... Well, I know he doesn't have a good fantasy game. And I don't think he's the most impactful NBA player. I think he's better than what we've seen here, but things are a little bit messy in terms of value. Paddy Beverly, six points in 19 minutes. He's been a stinker. Obviously, no reason to have Tom Bryan either. Four points in seven minutes. Let's go to the lines of the night. The monstrous is Jason Tatum. Obi, where are you going? As he tries to walk off. The waiver wire line of the night is Nikhil Alexander-Walker with a bit of a surprise performance there. The young gun is Jalen Green. And the dud of the night is Trey Murphy. He's been stinking for the last three games. He's averaging four points over the last three. But also remember, the six prior to that, he averaged 19. So it's been a rough go of things. I am still holding him though. Your top 10 players in category leagues. Tatum at one. Followed by Harden, LeBron, Westbrook, Harris, that's Tobias Harris, Jared Vanderbilt, Jalen Brown, Joel Embiid, Bobby Portis, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Alexander-Walker, I don't really buy into it. Josh Kogi, not really. Grayson Allen, yeah, there's some 12-team streaming there. George Niang, when you need threes, no worries. Anthony Lamb, no. Torrey Craig, yes. Dante DiVincenzo, yes, especially for tomorrow. That's some 12 value there, maybe 14, but at least a short-term 12. Pat Connaughton, it's probably a deeper 16-team league. Austin Reeves, interesting in 14 and 16s. And Landry Shamit, maybe we stream him if Booker remains out for one more game. Your top 10 players in points leagues today. Number one was Tatum, followed by LeBron, Harden, Davis, Westbrook, and Jalen Brown. Six, Five of the top six from that final game of the day. Seven is Giannis, eight is Tobias Harris, nine is Jared Vanderbilt Barr, and 10 is Zion Williamson. Now, earlier in the show, I asked you, what is your all-rookie first team for this season so far? I hope you dropped it in the comments. Here is mine. And I agonized over this one. It was, it's hard. Two of them picked themselves, and then it was tough, I thought. So I've got Paolo Bunkero. Obvious, right? No one's not... He has to be in there. I've got Benedict Matherin, even though he is slumping, but I think that level of scoring and uh, getting to the line is really impressive. And then the next three were rough. And there's one bloke that I did leave off, Walker Kessler, that I wish I had have had on there. And I think I could have debated having him. But I went with guys who were just playing good basketball. Do their stats brilliant? No. But when they're out there, I'm really happy they're out there. Not This does not predict future value or I'm saying these guys are going to be stars. But from what I've seen so far, my team is Paolo Banquero, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nempard, Tari Eason, and Jabari Smith Jr. Now, Jabari Smith struggled early, but I've been super impressed over the last 10 games. Shooting ability, defensive ability. I was going to have Walker Kessler in there over Jabari and actually changed his graphic a couple of times. But I did go air up there with Jabari for my final spot. So, shout out to the Bronco Jalen Williams, who wasn't far off that as well. And it was obviously Jaden Ivey's in that mix. These guys would make second team. But that's my first team. Just guys who have played well. 
impactful in their roles without necessarily saying there's superstar upside in these guys. All right, let me know what you think. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave those comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.